This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello and welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitz. How are you? I hope you're well, whatever you're listening to this. Thank you for listening. Thank you for choosing uh, this particular podcast and all of the podcasts from Blood Red. Really appreciate it as ever. Thank you for following us and listening to us. Uh, I am joined today by Matt Addison and Theo Squires. I'll say hello to Matt first. How are you, Matt? Yeah, really good. Thanks, mate. It's been a a long time since I've come on this podcast, but glad to be back. Well, you are always welcome, my friend. I know you're a very, very busy man. And Theo Squires, how are you, pal? All good. Cheers. I'm becoming a bit of a regular on this in recent weeks, aren't I? Um, But as long as the Reds keep winning. A first team regular, kid. (laughs) So, yeah, happy days. 3-0 victories every week at the moment on it so uh, it's going to give us plenty to talk about Well absolutely, we all have that sort of sly smug grin on our faces don't we which suggests that um, five games in sharing top of the league, top of our group in the Champions League um, through to uh, the next round of the Carabao Cup, 3-0 victories left, right and centre, rotating the squad well Um, it's a good job we didn't spend £200 million in the transfer market. You know, otherwise, we'd have been in, in lumber, wouldn't we, uh, Matt Addison? Um, no complaints so far. It seems to be um, going uh, very much according to plan for Jürgen Klopp and, and uh, Liverpool at the moment, Matt. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there was a lot of talk about transfers, wasn't there? That was the big topic. It, it still is the big topic, even though no transfers can be made for a good few weeks yet. But I think so far, so good. As you say, Jurgen Klopp has, has been proven correct so far on the transfer dealings. I think you know, that was epitomised for me, really, with the performance of, of James Milner last weekend. Obviously, you look at it and you think that, that Trent Alexander-Arnold's missing. Obviously, a huge part of, of the way that Liverpool play. But Milner was able to, to slot in there and, and do a job really that I think if if Trent had performed that way we'd probably be praising him so it goes a long way to to sort of saying how good Milner was on the on the day really so yeah there's there's been a few injuries already but but nothing certainly on the the same scale of of last season the squad has has coped so far they did of course sign Ibrahim Akonate who's come in and, and done really well in that position so yeah so far so good still plenty of time for for things to to go wrong but you know, five, six games in, whatever we are, I don't think uh, any Liverpool fans really can have any complaints up to this point. Absolutely. And Theo, I mean, you know, last season there was chops and changes and no two teams were the same because of necessity more than anything. But this time round, so far, five games in, well, seven games if you count the other games as well, um, the chops and changes outside of maybe the Harvey Elliott injury have been, and, and of course, Trent's, have been um, really successful. They haven't been from necessity, really, have they? They've been, they've been Jurgen Klopp, you know, chopping and changing and, and, and sort of playing chess with the team to, to see which are the best connections. And they've all, they all seem to have done really well. Matt mentioned James Milner. I mean, you know, you run out of superlatives for that man, don't you? Not only was it a good performance, it was, you know, we led in most of the optic stats on that game with passes completed and yards ran. I mean, he's... He's a machine, isn't he? What an incredible kind of um, role model he is for young players, Theo, to, to be able to come in the side. They'll still have that hunger and still be able to play a game like that. Definitely. like You've got a fair few players in the Liverpool squad like this who've got the talent, they've got the quality, they just haven't been afforded the opportunities. And I think if you're a Liverpool fan, you always look at the Manchester City squad or you look at the Chelsea squad and maybe the United squad to a lesser extent and think, Liverpool don't have that strength in depth. But Jurgen Klopp has quietly built that sort of side 
um, on the sly, hasn't he? And we just didn't really notice it because of all the injuries last year where they had so much of that depth taken away that the bench looked pretty rubbish and the players that he could rotate, he chose not to understandably because you're already playing a different centre-back partnership every week. You didn't want to put in your, your reserve full-backs or put in a kid up front or anything like this. But now we're seeing him being able to rotate and it's going well, isn't it? Like you're looking at, um, even in midweek, Origi Minamino getting amongst the goals. Origi did well against AC Milan. Um, Harvey Elliott, no one saw him start the season as first choice, but he, he was brilliant up until the injury. All four centre-backs have done amazing. You wouldn't think three of them had just come back from long-term injuries. They've all had really good starts to the season. We've been talking there about James Milner. Well, it doesn't matter where he plays, does it? Right back, centre mid. You could put him in goal and he'd still do a good job. Yeah, and it doesn't matter that he's, what, 36 in January. He's still an amazing servant with plenty to give. His um, contract's up in the summer. And I don't think you'd have any qualms about him carrying on and doing a, a good job for Liverpool. The question is whether he wants to carry on being a squad player, whether Liverpool want to carry on paying him the wage he's on. Um, or if he wants to go somewhere else, play a few more games and be an elder statesman elsewhere. But I think if you said to Jurgen Klopp, Milner's going to carry on being this squad player, this leader, you can maybe um, groom him to be part of your coaching team. That's what everyone at Liverpool will want. But it's what you want from your whole squad. All these players, it doesn't matter who you're starting, they're coming in, they're staking the claim, they're playing well. It, it's what we wanted to see from Liverpool last season and circumstances meant we couldn't. Um but now, finally, we are seeing the real Liverpool. And you think when City are already beginning to falter a little bit, um, it's looking good for the title race, especially when uh, City-Chelsea at the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And Matt, um, there is a possibly an argument, isn't it, for saying that... I know that, look, th- there's been a lot of conjecture over over uh, the lack of... of, of um activity in the transfer market for various reasons. I think I think we know by now that Jürgen Klopp is not a manager who, 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 who knee-jerk reacts. He doesn't buy um, under the under the strain of pressure of people wanting him to. He buys when he wants to see a player and wants a player to this club that he really likes uh, and when the time is right for him to do it. Is there an argument to say that this squad that Liverpool have got now, because they haven't rushed out and spent £150 million on two or three players that would have gone straight into the side, is there an argument to say that some of our fringe players actually are responding better to that by saying, well, you know, you haven't just bought me out of the team. You haven't just bought someone who's going to step in my way. I've got a chance here now. So the Oxlade-Chamberlains, the Minaminos and, and, and the and the Simicasters of the world can step up and say, well, I want to show you what I've got now. And it it almost makes for a more balanced squad, does it? I think so, yeah. I think Costa Simicas is, is the one that has really impressed so far this season. I've not been 100% convinced on Chamberlain just yet. Minamino's obviously done it against Norwich, but maybe not the, the best calibre of opposition. I think there's still there's still one or two questions, and I still think it, it would have been all right to, to get one more in this summer, maybe in that forward line, just so you save yourself a job as much as anything in a year's time. I think they're probably going to have to do two or three next summer when maybe they could have done one now and, and two then just to, to sort of split it up a little bit. But you're absolutely right. I mean, there, there are there are good players in there. Even Divock Origi, I mean, he comes in against AC Milan a week or so ago and, and puts in a really good performance pretty much out of nowhere. And again, I'm still not 100% convinced that we're going to see now for the next sort of six months that sort of form from Origi. I don't think, you know, it's it's far too early to, to sort of put those sorts of, of things down on, on him. But I think that there is there's there's always been a better squad there than what we've what we've realised. As Theo said before, there's there's players who've who've come in and done really well. We've kind of forgotten about Simicas in particular, one or two others. 
Harvey Elliott until he got injured was a player that we didn't think would be in quite a, a position that that he was. Obviously now is going to be out for, for a significant portion of, of this season. But again, even even Harvey Elliott is is a reminder that Jurgen Klopp knows these players better than anybody else. He knew that Harvey Elliott was far more advanced than what any of us sort of thought he was going to be. And I think, you know, had he not got injured, he, he would have far exceeded expectations. It was similar with, with Curtis Jones last season. He ends up playing a lot more football and, and he's another one this season that we've kind of forgotten about a, a little bit in terms of, you know, the, the quality and the depth that he can add in two or three different positions as well. So, yeah, plenty of, of promising signs. Personally, I would have liked one more still, but, you know, who's to argue with it? So far, there's, there's no real cause for complaints or, or concern. Uh, do you think, um, Theo, that the idea of not getting a um, a striker, backup striker, a big striker in this time round strengthens Jurgen Klopp's um, hand when it comes to the next window, January-wise, to say, OK, look, we've saved a load of money on the last transfer window by not really, by only getting Canate. I would like, you know, someone... Um, of a higher caliber and a higher price tag because you get, because of the money they've saved, or do you think this is genuinely a case of of of, um, of Klopp saying, well, we don't really need them? You know, I, I'm really really happy with the squad I've got and I know the potential that they've got. Uh, I think any manager, if you say to them, this is the squad you've got, but here's a hundred million, go and sign someone else, they'd bite your hand off. Like if FSG had that money and Klopp could have gone out and got I don't know Jaden Sancho or someone like that on top of what his squad was. He would have done it like we sort of saw it last year when he was allowed to sign Tiago without losing any of the midfielders and Ginny Wijnaldum stayed on the books for another year. But then Jurgen Klopp is very good at getting the best out of his squad. So if the owners went to him, there is the money there for you to go and invest. And there was a player that Liverpool could get him. They probably would. I think he said it um, before the Chelsea game when he was going through all his midfield options, when he was highlighting all their strengths. Like we're talking a good eight players here. He was saying, if you can tell me a player that is better than what we've got and is affordable or is the right deal for us, we would go and get that player. And then a few weeks later, reports emerged of like this long-standing interest in Jude Bellingham. And so it's one where you could see Liverpool maybe making a move at some point for a player, but then they don't like going in January. Like They know and they've known for a while that they're going to lose Salah, Mane, Naby Keita in January to the Cup of Nations. Granted, it's only a couple of Premier League games, but they'll still be well prepared for that. And it's one where if they sign someone, it's not going to be um, just a knee-jerk reaction, is it? It's going to be someone that they've had their eye on for a while and they're making that right move. That's what they always do. If they the right player is not available, they wait. Maybe they didn't sign a striker this summer, but if they've got someone in mind, they will wait for them, be it the summer or be it in January. We've seen it with Virgil van Dijk when he first joined the club. Um they could have just signed a centre-back in the summer when that deal fell through. But no, they waited. Sort of cost them during the first half of the season, but then they got him. And then we've seen it with other players in the past, like Thiago Alcantara, that presented itself. So they just took him. Minamino was an opportunity they couldn't turn down. So they just went for him. They've, they've always got a plan. It's just waiting to see what is right for this team. I've, I've always thought Liverpool will sacrifice a title or a Champions League this year if it means they can win the next three. It's all about that long game, isn't it? And you look at the players here, well, not signing a striker has uh, got this fresh life into Origi. And it's almost a similarity to when they won the Champions League. Like his contract was running out. You'd written him off. You thought he was never going to kick a ball for the club again. And then he comes in, he gets a couple of goals. He does well. He, he has his moments. And 
he got a new contract off the back of it. Now, I'm not saying that he can have this sort of performances this year that will get him a new contract, but there is an option on that deal there, so they could still keep him for another year. But it's given him that chance to prove his point again. Liverpool, they're, they're very good at managing the players they've already got at their disposal and getting the very best out of them. And it isn't as glamorous as going and spending ridiculous money on players left, right and centre. And it's one where you look on the names and look at who City have got on the bench or who um, Chelsea have got on the bench. And it isn't as A-list. But if they're doing the job, you can't complain. And while it might mean Liverpool might maybe miss out on a trophy this year, uh, whatever move the Scott lined up in the transfer market in the future will make sure they're in the best place to challenge for the next two, three years. Klopp's always approached it that way and I don't see that changing. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Remarkably, you mentioned Man City and Guardiola complaining after the Southampton result that he didn't have enough time to prepare. And um, Southampton had um, a week to prepare for this game. We had 10 minutes because I presume he was alluding to the to the to the midweek Champions League match, and yet you think, how if anyone has absolutely no right to moan about not having a team prepared, it's uh, it's Guardiola who can virtually field two world class football sides. So it, it is remarkable to think that the money they've spent, and yet he can still complain that he didn't have uh, the right preparation time. Let's talk about the squad members that we have got then, and how much they've stepped up. I mean, we mentioned Simicas and. Um, He's been nothing short of a revelation, really, since he's popped in, hasn't he? I mean, Andy Robinson is a hard act to follow, but he's trying his very, very best to do that. And so much so now that people are saying, well, you know, this isn't just a Andy Robinson gets injured, he's in. This could also be a let's rest Andy Robinson for a game and get him in. Because there's, there's, there doesn't seem to be any real dip in quality in that respect, does it? Simicast has come straight into that side. He whips a ball in. He gets down that line. He's fast. He's a good defender. He's, he has all the qualities... Uh, that you need to be able to double up. A perfect squad member, isn't he really, uh, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I tweeted it the other day. I don't think there's a footballer who can play left back in, in the world who is a closer fit to what Andy Robertson does for Liverpool. Because, you know, if, if you just watched that game and, and didn't know the name on the back of the shirt, there's there's been times this season where you, you couldn't really tell the difference between them. And I think that's that's something that Liverpool have, have certainly not always had under Jurgen Klopp. Obviously, we've seen, you know, James Milner has, has played. I mean, he, he did it last weekend, didn't he, filling in at, at right back, but he's certainly done that at left back far far more frequently. There's There's been occasions where Liverpool have, have had to change that style. But I think what they've done there is is really, really clever. I mean, we didn't see it at all last season because of, of injuries and, you know, all the, the rest of the changes. But what they've managed to do there for £11 million, which is, is a really, in, in this modern current climate, a, a really small amount of money, they've managed to give themselves a, a player where it, it doesn't matter if, if Andy Robertson misses a couple of games or it doesn't matter if, if he needs a rest or if there's three games in a week and he can't do all of them. It, it just doesn't matter. I think there's there's even elements of, of Simikas's game where he might even be better than Andy Robertson. I think maybe from, from a dead ball, putting a corner in, I think you know he's probably a, a better corner taker than Robertson is. There's been probably an argument. I know it's still early days that maybe even some of his crossing is, is of a, a higher calibre. I still think Andy Robertson is is a better footballer and is is undoubtedly the number one. But yeah, I think there's there's certain players in this Liverpool squad that you'd be concerned if they got injured for a period of time. You know, I'm thinking sort of Trent or, or Salah or somebody like that. But certainly I think Robertson would have been on that list last season and, and in previous seasons. That That just isn't the case anymore because they've got somebody like you say who's not really that much of a drop-off in quality, but more importantly is 
virtually exactly the same style of footballer, which when you think of how crucial the fullbacks are to the way Liverpool play, I, I don't think you can really put a price on that. No, absolutely. And Theo, of course, the other advantage of that is that Andy Robinson is now thinking, oh, I'd better bring the A game every single time now because I've got someone I've got someone sort of pecking at my position who's who's a really, very, very decent player. And it's a wonderful example of how finding a good squad player like that can really push forward the the, the, the main um a lister you've got in that side in Andy Robinson to say, well, I'd better I'd better keep my form going, otherwise this guy's gonna be in my place. Well, it's how um, Robertson got his place in the team in the first place, wasn't it? Um, he came in, everyone thought it was the end of Alberto Moreno having seen James Milner take his place the year before. But then Moreno probably enjoyed the best form of his Liverpool career. He was getting assists left, right and centre. He got back into the Spain squad before the injury cost him his place. And Robertson just hasn't given up the shirt since. But you do want that competition. It's frustrating at times when your team is chopping and changing so much. But if you're not noticing a difference, that's what you want as a manager. The fact that your team becomes unpredictable to play against from the opposition because you don't know who's going to start, but you know there is not going to be a drop-off in quality. And I could argue we're probably seeing a similar now in midfield as well. The fact that Elliot was able to give him that chance and you wouldn't know he was an 18-year-old with limited experience. Naby Cater's enjoyed a, a solid start to the season. Curtis Jones has done well when he's been given glimpses. Oxlade-Chamberlain perhaps hasn't stepped up as much as you'd like but he's had his injury problems in the past and he's been pretty much put all over the pitch, hasn't he? We've seen him up front, we've seen him out wide. You're waiting for him to really enjoy a start to the season. But it is just a good sign of Liverpool know what they're doing in the recruitment side of things. Like They won't just go and sign someone for the sake of it. They'll do their homework. They'll find an option that is the right deal for them in terms of the fee, but in terms of the profile as well. Even if it's someone you haven't really heard of before, I, I can't imagine that not many fans would have been crying out for Liverpool to sign Kostas Simikas when he joined the club. But he has proven to be exactly what they need. And you think back to, what, two, three years ago when they were having to have um, Joe Gomez as the, the deputy right back. And it was it, Joe Gomez is a brilliant player, solid defensively. He's got that pace, but he just can't cross a ball as well as Trent Canny. He doesn't offer that offensive balance. But... Simicas does on the other flank. And now it's about filling in those gaps, isn't it? Like Liverpool under Klopp, the first team, the strongest 11 is unrecognisable for when he came over the club, uh, when he took over at the club. It is one of the very best in the world. And then it is just about filling those gaps beneath and making sure that the reserve options are taken up. Like you talk about maybe needing another midfielder. I know some fans did, but they have got seven or eight really good options there that you it doesn't matter which start yeah you know who your, your strongest three are in Fabinho Henderson and Thiago but you can put in any of the others and they are still going to win games the front three they brought in Jota and he's doing a job you can now actually rotate the front three when they're all fit and maybe Minamino and Origi have got a bit of life in them le left as well um, even the substitute keeper Kelleher he's looking a quality player isn't he such a talent and while he's not going to be taking Allison's place anytime soon maybe it's not as big a concern if you lose Allison to a red card or an injury this year as it was in the past I've already mentioned Simicas and the centre-backs it's just whether they've got that option at right back but then Nico Williams is there. James Milner's there. We've been saying it, what, for 20 minutes on this podcast so well so far. Liverpool squad is a lot better than we actually gave it credit for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we said this we, we said this a couple of podcasts ago and got a little bit of stick on social media by people sort of, you know, pressing the panic button. Some of the, what I like to call FIFA fans, who, um, who uh, you know, are more concerned with the game um, and, and, and how 
readily available footballers are uh, when they're playing on the on the playstations, and they kind of come on and give us stick and say this squad's awful, this squad's there's nowhere near as good enough squad. Well, look, I know we're only five games in the league, seven in all, but we are we are pound for pound matching every team there, and like you say, that the first eleven we've got is second to none as far as I'm concerned. It is it is a, it is a, a, a really good first eleven, and I think we're now showing. Um, that the squad members we've got backing them up are, 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 are more than capable of doing the job. You mentioned them before, Naby Keita. I'm touching everything possibly wouldn't the can. Um, so far, kept himself fit, kept himself healthy, and is and is and is um, is proving himself to be a good a good squad member, particularly with the loss of Thiago, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's he's going to be an important player. We don't know exactly, you know, how long Thiago is going to be out. Obviously, we knew he's he's going to miss the the weekend's game, and, and hopefully, it's not too much longer than that. But I think Cater is is one of those players that you, you've always wanted a little bit more from. I think the the expectations maybe haven't quite aligned with the the sort of actual player that he is. I think it's it's much harder to stand out as a midfielder if you're in a, a Jurgen Klopp system we know that that's not the kind of focus that the job is not to, to score goals and, and be really creative that's just not what what Liverpool's midfield necessarily does I think that's that's what we saw from him when he was at Leipzig he was you know very much a box to box creator putting balls into the box scoring goals he's not done that for Liverpool but that's not to say that you know that's the necessarily the job that he's being asked to do I mean Look, the, the the quality of him, and, and this is something that we always say about him, the quality of him has never been in doubt. I think you put him in the team and, you know, the, you see it in flashes, if not, you know, perfectly consistently. The only issue with him has, has been his fitness. Again, so far, it, it's been good from him. He's managed to, to keep himself fit, can put himself on the pitch when he's been needed up until, you know, midweek, he, I think, kicked the grass and got some sort of minor injury. So hopefully that's not um, anything to, to sort of be concerned about long term, but I'm sure, you know, there's going to be times this season where Liverpool, given the the nature of their squad and you know injuries in in a couple of other places, will need to turn to him. And I think it's really important that he is fit in those crucial moments because I think that the other important point with him is he's only got a couple of seasons left on his Liverpool contract. He is very much playing for his future at this point. I think if if we get to next summer and he's had a similar season this season to what he's had for, for the past two or three, there's a, a real question mark lingering over his head. So, yeah, for, for him, it's it's a massive season, I think. But as you say, the early signs have been really positive. Yeah, he scored an absolute screamer uh, last weekend uh, against Palace, didn't he? An absolute screamer with a, a wonderful kind of, dare I say, the man's name on a Liverpool podcast, Eric Cantona. Um, type uh, celebration when he just stared at everyone. It was quite funny. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Did you see anything in the Palace game, Theo, that, that was concerning at all? I mean, I know Liverpool tend to be doing this thing, uh, I find at the moment, where they they bombard, they get they they they, they miss uh, quite a few chances that they create, and then they seem to drop pace a little bit and allow, and, and, and allow teams back in. They did it, certainly with AC Milan um, in the European game, where they absolutely destroyed them for the first 15, 20 minutes. That's some ridiculous stats. Um, and then couldn't really put anything away. Put one away, miss the penalty, and then, of course, end up going 2-1 down, going to the break. I know they turned it around, but the same similar thing to Palace, where they seem to... Um, drop off the pace a little bit. Do you, do, have you noticed that yourself? Or do you think it's just something that Klopp's doing where he's attacking in certain phases and then allowing them to drop back in? Um, I think it's something that Liverpool have pretty much always done. Like when Klopp first came in, it was this gang and pressing 
right from the off, wasn't it? And to tire teams out. But then as they've adapted, it has been a case of you choose your moments, you flick a switch, and that's when you bombard teams. And it will be like, say against City, you'd imagine Liverpool will do the exact same thing for the first half hour, absolutely bombard them, then get their little bit of a rest and then go again in the second half. It's what Liverpool do. Um, concerns offensively. Yeah, they are missing chances, but the response to that is you'd rather they're in the play positions to miss the chances than not create them at all. Like That's what we saw last year. They were struggling to create anything, whereas this year they are just being a little bit wasteful. But it means that when they are wasteful, you know they've got the ability to eventually keep knocking on the door and getting the goal. The only game we've not seen them get the goal is Chelsea. Uh, more of a concern, I suppose, defensively, where it's not been as stable as you like. The fact that Milan could break through so easily to get that quick-fire double. Um, Palace said there was a few scary moments, weren't there? But then look at the, the bodies that are out in those defences. It wasn't Liverpool's first choice back four that had been starting the season and played all these games together. It was chopping and changing because of Trent being ill, because of just wanting to get some life in the legs of Gomez, rotating players, giving Simakas a game, letting Van Dijk have a rest. So it's not a long-term concern. It's one where the more they play together, the less likely that is to happen. You've just got to have faith that the Liverpool squad have got enough in them to see games out. And while you might have a few nervy moments, you might win a game 3-2 rather than 3-1, there's still enough talent in there to get the job done. I basically won the league title doing that, didn't they? When there was so many games they'd win by the odd goal or get a few late goals and it looked more comfortable than it actually was. Uh, it's not the most pleasing on the eye and I'm sure you have some that would much rather winning 4-0 every week, but it still gets the job done and you've got to think the players, they can't go uh, 100 miles an hour from the first minute to the 90th minute just because that is how you pick up injuries. That is how you tire players out far too much. It's about picking the moments and when you flick that switch and Liverpool do push at a team and they put all this pressure on, they usually find the breakthrough and it's one where we're seeing it now like week in, week out, the winning games and if they can do that what next week against Man City, then you're thinking, oh, this is like the title winning year all over again. You've got that potential now to really kick on. You've laid down that marker and last year was definitely just this uh, one-off fluke that we'll never speak of again. <laughs> here, here with that one. Uh, I, I noticed a couple of things. Uh, I've noticed there seems to be a, uh, the last few games has been a bit of a trend of taking uh, Jordan Henderson off before the end of games. I don't know. I don't know whether that's something the Klopp is aware of fitness-wise or whatever. But he, he has subbed him, hasn't he, before in the last couple of games? Whether or not he's allowing Jordan Henderson to, to run on and. But with the understanding that there is a possibility, because he is the captain, obviously, and, and, and taking him off is is um, is a bit of an unusual step match. Do you think that's just a tactical thing? Do you think it's something that there is a there is a slight niggle with Henderson where he's not making ninety minutes, or it's something because he always seems to come off blowing, so it looks like he's put a shift in. Uh, but uh, it's it's not a usual term for a captain, is it? No, I, I don't think it's necessarily a tactical thing. I, I, my guess would be that it's more sort of protecting his fitness. I know he's had a couple of injury issues over the past couple of seasons, had a, an injury issue coming into to this season as well. And I just think, you know, he, he's one of those players where if you can get an hour from him every single week, it's it's better to do that than play 90 for three and, and then miss one. It's, it's better to have him a little bit in each game and, and just manage that situation. And I presume that that's what Liverpool are doing. They've obviously got all of the, the info and the medical staff working on him and, and that sort of stuff. I mean, 
I think that that's all it will be. I don't think it's an issue of, of quality or, or not doing what, what Jurgen Klopp is asking. For, you know, far from from that being the case, I just think it's it's a case of, of managing him, being sensible. He's he's at an age now and, and has a, an injury history where you do have to be have to be careful. And, and like I say, it's it, he's one of those players that I'd rather have him on the pitch more often than not because, as you say, he is the captain. And yeah, I think I think we saw quite frequently last season without him. Uh, and without James Milner at times, Liverpool did lack a little bit of leadership. So it's it's probably better to spread him out as, as thinly as possible across as many games as possible moving forward. Yeah, quite right. Another thing I feel like I've noticed as well, Theo, and, and Matt, I don't know whether you guys agree, I'll come to you first, Theo, is there seems to be a bit of a hunger in Mo Salah that I haven't seen since the first season he got here. There's something about him that he, he looks fitter than ever. He's, he's, he's gained loads of ground on more than one occasion I've seen him doing that cover for Trent where he gets right the way back and he seems really hungry. I get the impression, uh, which which can only bode well for, for the season and for Liverpool, but I get the impression, Theo, that he's, he's really out to try and impress this season and really put himself, because obviously his first season was phenomenal. He's been phenomenal throughout, but it, it, it sort of levelled off a little bit because he, obviously, because he takes two defenders with him most of the time, but there just seems to be a hunger and a, and a and a sharpness to him that, that will really bode well for the rest of the season. Dare we say it, is this Mo Salah at his peak of what we've seen so far is just, I don't know, the taster of the actual talent that is to come. Um, I suppose with any player, well, and for all, all these elite clubs, there is going to be that unlocking, that hunger to unlock a bit more this year. Because you've had 18 months with no fans, you've missed that. Liverpool didn't have the season they wanted last year, so that is a year wasted as well. Um, you think they didn't get to celebrate the title they would have wanted to because fans were taken away. The year before, yes, he had a great season. He won the Champions League, but it was when he was getting used to being double marked because he'd had such a good first season. Now, because he's making up for that little bit of lost time, we're seeing what uh, a true Mohamed Salah looks like, that he knows what is going to happen with two defenders on him and he can still make them look silly. He can still run past them all, put it in the top corner. He's matured. He's had to change his game slightly. Like You're not going to see him do what he did in his first season where pretty much every other Liverpool goal seemed to be three players bombarding one-on-one because the defence had got him behind. But they've grown and is one of these. He's an elite player and he's what we're seeing now. Like We've thought he had that potential and you get to this age where you show the true talents that you've got at your disposal. My, some of it might be the contract. Like We know he's got, what, two years left on it and this is going to be the big contract of his career. This will be the biggest wage you can take home. It's going to be the best years of his career when he can be winning trophies. And you know, if he went to a PSG or someone like that, he could easily double his weekly wage. And it's what is the right move next for him. And it is just waiting for what he wants to do. Because if you've got Liverpool, uh, if you've got Mohamed Salah at your club, you want to keep him. And if you can afford to keep him and he wants to say, you're going to win trophies and he's going to score goals. And it's going to be one for them where... He's had that taste, hasn't he? He's won the Champions League. He's won the Premier League. But you're not happy just winning one, are you? You want to win two, three, four. And this is what this season is hopefully going to be about for him. Like you look at any of the other players in world football at the moment, he must be the best player on form. Like He's playing better than Messi, Mbappe, Ronaldo, Haaland. If Liverpool have a good season and win a, like, a title or win the Champions League, you'd put him in Ballon d'Or contention for next year. Like this year, I suppose Liverpool's last season 
counts against him a little bit. But if this is really the start of Mohamed Salah in those two, three years where he's at the very best of his abilities, then he could be putting in the sorts of performances we've seen from Ronaldo and Messi when they're having those elite seasons. And while I don't think anyone's going to claim that he is up to their, their very best when they were scoring like 80 goals a season, he is still one of the very best the Premier League has ever seen. And now we're seeing it on a consistent basis. And it's just so nice to see him doing all this with a smile on his face. Uh, he's enjoying his football. He's in the right place to win trophies, win titles. And he's just like the very best of Mohamed Salah at Liverpool. Um, hopefully more is still to come. The best is still to come. But it's looking good for a promising season for both of them. Yeah, absolutely. And also, Matt, you know, you can only... I mean, we, we, we watch Mane week in, week out. We we all know collectively that he's not um, where he wants to be as far as scoring goals is. He's still putting goals in the back of the net, but he's just that drop of the shoulder, that that ferocious right foot that, you know, with either foot with him, he's incredible. It just doesn't seem to be here at the moment. He's still sharp. He's doing everything that you want him to do, apart from um, finding the back of the net as, as, as often as he should be. And we've seen he's already missed a hat full of chances in the first few games. But with Salad on the current form he's on, and, and that hunger that he looks like he's showing, that can only surely inspire Mane to uh, to lift up his game and if the pair of them are on song well we're, I mean they're almost unplayable aren't they and that's without Jota yeah of course yeah and, and without Roberto Firmino as well who's who's been injured up to now I think he's very close to, to being back now but yeah yeah in terms of, of Salah as long as as long as Mohamed Salah's playing as he is now it doesn't really matter what the other players are doing because you know that you're going to get a goal from him every single match so yeah Salah's Salah's obviously at the peak of his powers. I think he's a much better footballer than than what he's been in, in previous seasons. I don't think he's going to score necessarily 44 goals as he did in his, his first season with Liverpool. But I think he's a better all-round footballer these days. And, and hopefully that can bring the best out of Sadio Mane. Hopefully, you know, I, I thought actually Mane, there, there were really promising signs against Leeds a, a couple of weeks ago. I thought he looked really good and, and he was doing that thing where he just stops, drops the shoulder and, and goes the other way and, and beats his man. But to be fair, I think Leeds did play a little bit into his hands by giving him a bit of space, giving him the, the opportunity to, to run in behind at times. I think for me that the interesting test with him will come against, you know, teams that, that sit back and, and defend a little bit deeper. Can he be the, the same Sadio Mane that we've seen in, in previous seasons? But yeah, I think, you know, certainly once Firmino is back and, and Jota is there as well and I think that, you know, once you can get that rotation again between those four, I think we will see better signs from Sadio Mane. I think he, he's certainly seen, uh, certainly shown uh, enough so far to, to make me think that he'll be improved on, on last season. But yeah, uh, as long as as long as Mohamed Salah on the opposite side continues his form, which there's no reason to think that he can't, then it's not really a, it's not really a massive issue, to be honest. Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. So you were talking before about being inspired by the fact that the fans haven't been here for the season and, 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 and playing in front of them again. Uh, Liverpool's next six games, five of them away. Um, this is an interesting kind of little phase we're going into now. It's ridiculous. We've got something like eight games between um, the end of September and October. It's it's phenomenal. It's, it's as they come thick and fast, which is why I guess... You know the squad rotation is working well and 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 bodes well for for the games that are coming up. Our next six games are Brentford away, Porto away, Man City at home, Watford away, Atletico Madrid away, and then Manchester United away. This is 
six huge games. I mean, Brentford are flying. They've got that guy Tony up front, who's a, who's a, has been a revelation for them. He's a really sharp player, really clever player. Porto are no slouches, of course. Um, the two, the two um, Premier League ties that stand out out of the four that we've got is, of course, City at home and Manchester United. Given the next six games. Um, at the end of uh, October, 24th of October, is Man United away. At the end of those games, we're going to be, um, we're going to know a lot more about the club that we've got, and then we're going to know a lot more about the potential of, of Liverpool this season, aren't we, Theo? Yeah, we are. You have to say, out of the six, thank God it's City that's the home one, because that's going to have the fans even more up for it, especially when they know they're not going to see their, the team much in the next month or so. But then you've got to play everyone twice. You've got to play them home and away. It's just. If they're playing them all these away games now, it means you can have a nice run of home games later on. And when you've got Liverpool at the best of their abilities or playing reasonably well, winning games, you don't have any concerns whether they're home or away, who they're playing. You know they can get results. And they always find that extra gear, don't they, when it's against a City or a United when when they're on form. And it's one where we will know a lot more about the title race, but then we'll, we'll know more about the title race this weekend. Like I mentioned earlier with City playing Chelsea, like that is one where if City lose, I know it's very early in the season, but you could almost write them out the title race, not because they're not going to come back stronger because they always seem to do this. They start slowly and then come back strong in the second half of the season. But it's not just Liverpool they're up against now. They've got to get past Chelsea as well and they could potentially have to get past United. You'd think the competition might be too strong for them. But then if they manage to get a win against Chelsea, well, then that's a knock against another one of the title rivals and it's wide open again. And then it's really setting that challenge of what Liverpool need to do this season. Um, Brentford, yeah, Ivan Tony's had a good start to the season, scored a few goals, but he's not played against Virgil van Dijk yet, has he? That is going to be the biggest challenge of his career so far. And then you'll see what a player he is and what a player Van Dijk is, because it could be one of those where Van Dijk kept Lukaku silenced um, only a few weeks ago. If you could do that against a £97.5 million striker, you'd imagine he can cope all right with um, one of the championship's better strikers in recent years. We know what Porto away is like. We know how horrible Atletico Madrid away is, uh, what what that's like. And uh, Luis Suarez, no doubt, trying to score some goals against them as well. But yeah, you've got to play everyone twice and you don't have any doubts about Liverpool when they're playing well, when they're on form, when they're confident, they can beat anything that's in front of them. Uh, last year, after Christmas, I suppose, when the form fell apart, you didn't know when that next goal was going to come from, never mind that next win. But at the moment, you go into every game thinking, yeah, Liverpool can do it today, Liverpool can get those three points today, they can get that win today. Yeah, it's a different different kettle of fish now. It's a different Liverpool side, isn't it? It's the one we all knew was there anyway. And just unfortunately, because that weird, we shall not talk about season, as you said, Montio. Um, it's onwards and upwards. Um, you'd like to think, Matt, we are three. We've got three points, of course. Three one zero zero at the moment is the um, is our group. I mean, you only really you only really looking at nick and draws, aren't you? If you can get away victories, of course. And we, if we could win the next two against Porto and Atletico, you've virtually signed off. The group stages, and the earlier you can do that, the better, particularly with the, with the amount of games we've got to get through this season. So, one eye is going to be on trying to do a job at Porto, isn't it? And also at the Atletico Madrid, by no means easy. Certainly, Atletico Madrid. I mean, Suarez scored two late ones. The United need to get them a victory, um, and he's a, he's a world class player. But um, if they can try and negotiate them way, their way through them with, with at least draws, then it'll stand them in good stead and try and get that group stage wrapped up as quickly as possible. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it almost plays into Liverpool's hands now. They've got that first three points on the board against Milan. I think that was was massive. I think there's there's every chance that that Milan could do something against Atletico Madrid. Let's say that one's drawn as well. Suddenly, then Liverpool are, are in a really good position. So I think the other teams are going to take points off each other. I really do fancy Liverpool to, to go to Porto and win. They've done that in the past a couple of times. It, it seems to be every season that they have to go and, and beat Porto, and, and they tend to to do that. So. I'm not massively concerned about that, and and even even the Atletico Madrid game. I mean, that will be will be really difficult. But you know, as long as Liverpool don't lose that game, and and you'd have to fancy them to go there and, and get a point. I think to to win your first two, assuming they beat Porto and and then get a point in that one, I think they're in a, a brilliant position to to get through. And it's not as if either that you have to top this group because of the way that the groups have have lined up elsewhere, the way that the the pots were seeded. It's not the end of the world. If, if Liverpool end up coming second, you could actually get yourself an easier draw in, in the next round anyway. So as long as they're in the, the top two positions in that group at the end of, of the six games, which I think they will be, then Liverpool will, will be absolutely absolutely fine with that. So, yeah, I think they've they've got themselves off to a, a good start. And, you know, even though the next two games are tricky, I really do fancy them to, to be unbeaten. And as long as they don't get beat in either of those two games, I think they'll be absolutely fine, to be honest. Did you just yeah. say you fancy him to stay unbeaten as long as they don't get beat? I fancy them <laughs> to, to get through as long as they don't get beaten. <laughs> yeah, you've got to just... You, it, it, the tricky things, obviously, are the games before um, City and United are tricky games, aren't they? Porto away is not the ideal game before, even though it's a home tie, before um, facing Man City. I guess the only thing about that is that, of course, they're in the Champions League as well, so they've got games as well. And, you know, they need... Plenty of time to prepare because they've only got the two squads. <laughs> um, let's talk about. Let's just round off with uh, with matters off the pitch then, uh, and the announcement that the plans are going ahead for the Anfield Road extension. Um, oh, I mean, it's just more good news for the club, is it? More good news for the development of Anfield. Um, it's going to be expanded by seven thousand. I think it's going to get to sixty-one thousand, which will be the third highest capacity in the premiership between behind Tottenham and, and, and Man United and uh, it, it's just great to see the, the club developing like that isn't it and great to see that um, you know another 6,000 getting 7,000 getting in there more fans being able to go in and see the game and and it's just it just feels like that onwards and upwards thing doesn't it Theo? It's what you want even more especially after the pandemic when the fans have not been there you want as many in the stadium as possible and there is that small pride thing of you want your stadium to be as big as possible and the fact that Liverpool, I think, are overtaking was it Arsenal and maybe West Ham with this extension. It's like well, Anfield. Um, there were all the new stadium talks. What we're we talking 10, 15 years ago, there was always a heavy heart of leaving Anfield behind. And it is so great that FSG found a way to expand Anfield. And the fact that it wasn't just a case of you do one thing and get it to this side and then you're going to be standing still for 20, 30 years. And then you have to have another. Do we need a new stadium or are we stuck here? But the fact that they can still keep expanding and they can still make it look modern, it's what, it's what you want. You want your stadium to look as good as possible and it, it shows Liverpool's growth under FSG. And the fact that the club is moving forward, it's going to be good for the area, it's going to be good for the club, it's going to be good for the fans. Like you're going to have more fans able to watch probably what the best Liverpool side of a generation. Like this team, you put it up against the teams from the 70s and 80s under Shankly, under Paisley. It is one of the best. And when we look back in hindsight, 10 years down the line, we'll be able to really appreciate it that way. You want as many fans there to see it as possible and to cheer them over the line. Like we've had some special 
Anfield European nights, for example, over the years, there is nothing like the Anfield draw. It's going to be even louder with an extra 7,000 people in there. It's going to be fantastic, Matt. And I still, my mom, I'm from Anfield, and uh, my mum still lives in Anfield, St. Domingo, just across the road from the, from the ground. And I still, when I turn, um, and I turn left of the lights there to go along uh, the bottom row where the ground is, and I just look up, and it still takes your breath away, the size of that stand that, it's 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 huge. It's gargantuan kind of monolith poking out into the skyline, and um, it just looks fantastic. And 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 the extension of Anfield Road is just gonna. It's along the same lines, isn't it? It's gonna be that kind of build as well. So gonna be getting built while the games are going on, of course, while the season's underway. And uh, it's just gonna make it look like an a, an absolutely incredible stadium to come and visit. Yeah, it's uh, it's the same process, I believe, in terms of, of building it, so it won't won't be closed or anything like that. And yeah, it's it's going to be in in keeping with the the main stand, which I think has has been fantastic so far, with obviously much better facilities and and more seats and, and all of that sort of thing. So yeah, it's a it's a massive step forward, and yeah, it's it, it's long overdue that Liverpool have have got a stadium as big as that. I hope that that this isn't the last extension. Hopefully, there's there's more extensions to come as well because I know how hard it is for for fans to get tickets and, and things like that. So yeah, you, you've got to make the most of it. And I think you know there's there's been a lot of of talk about FSG one way or, or the other, but this is certainly something that they've got right, as Theo said, to to stay at Anfield and extend that has been without doubt you know the the best possible solution that they could have found. And I think uh, yeah, as soon as this is finished, and it's still going to be a couple of years off being finished. But as soon as it is, hopefully the uh, the next step can be taken as well, and, and they can make it that little bit bigger and just you know get as many people in to, to see the Reds play as possible because it's uh, it's certainly as I say long long overdue. Absolutely, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Theo Squires and Matt Addison. Uh, thanks, boys. Um, that is it for another poetry in motion. As I say, six massive games, five away, one at home. The home game is Man City. Um, onwards and upwards for the Reds. Uh, a big, big month, really, of football, but we can do it. The squad are looking great. Uh, keep supporting the Reds. Keep uh, faith in the team, and uh, we shall see you on the next Poetry in Motion. You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.